welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I am Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink, and this is episode 8 of Cult Movie Cult, which is part 3 of 3 of our series So Bad It's Good, the best of the worst from the depths of cult cinema. Today we're going to be discussing 2003's The Room. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. I bought some drugs off of him. Things got mixed up. I didn't mean for this to happen. <laughs> what kind of drugs do you take? It's nothing like that. What the hell is wrong with you? did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. You're lying. I never hit you. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. You guys want to play some football? Johnny? Ask Peter. Come on, Peter. No, I don't think so. Please. No. Come on. How was work today? Oh, pretty good. We got a new client at the bank. We make a lot of money. What client? I cannot tell you. It's confidential. Oh, come on. Why not? No, I can't. Anyway, how is your sex life? Your point of view is so different from mine. I love him. I don't believe it. You don't understand anything, man. Leave your stupid comments in your pocket. It's not over. Everybody betrayed me. I fed up with this world. How do you describe the indescribable? The Room is truly an experience, I would say, more than a film. Um, but to go into just a bit about, I guess, to, to intro what The Room is, <laughs> um, it's, it is, as Jeremy mentioned, a 2003 independent film. Um, marketed as a drama originally um but over time with how melodramatic the film is and the cult status that it took on um it morphed into a comedy film <laughs> uh, unintentionally of course but um there's lots to dissect about this film there you know there's baffling decisions that were made uh from the script to the acting uh to the editing um, to the promotion, to the, to the promotion, <laughs> the to, filming itself, to every every step of the process, yeah. to the main uh, person at the helm, who is Tommy Wiseau, uh, person, alien, whatever he is, he is a beautiful human being. Um, <laughs> something. <laughs> <laughs> he's something. Um, so, it, it was inspired by a lot of, uh, I guess, personal things he was going through. Um, he wrote it, uh, actually, I found it very interesting. He wrote it as a play uh, in 2001 and even as a 500-page novel. Which I wonder if which, that's floating around somewhere. And, and it, I would, yeah. Because I would there are a lot of people who would really, really enjoy I would either love of those. To read it. Yeah, either <laughs> of those things. Or even just to witness it, just to see what it looks, you know, how it reads or, you know, I, I, I'd be fascinated. Yeah. Um, but eventually he did make it as a film, which is The Room. Um, and, you know, to discuss the, the plot isn't as necessary as I, what I feel the, the story behind it is much more interesting, mm -hmm. um, which is the focus of uh, a book written by one of the main act actors, um, Greg Sestero. Uh, he wrote uh, the, it was, the book is called The Disaster Artist, and they just made a film out of that, uh, which I have not seen, um, but Jeremy has. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll kind of defer to you about that. Um, 
because you had just recently now did you recently watch the room or had you seen the room or um no so i actually i saw the room for the first time uh i want to say two months ago so not super recently but it's also you know i i was pretty new to me um i watched it alone for the first time which i would personally say is the best way to approach this movie um is watching it alone i would i would say i would say for the first time you watch it watching it alone might be a good thing and here's the reason why is we say that when we talk about this film like you mentioned earlier it's not just a film i would almost call it a culture there's a certain culture revolving around this which we'll get to and i mean i haven't seen it in a theater yet i i I need to i live in new york city and there's a midnight screening every weekend literally every (laughs) weekend um, yeah. and, I, and I've been meaning to get to one, but I feel like it's one of those things where if you're seeing it with a group of people who have all seen it before and they're calling out the lines and, mm. you know, it, it, I feel like it's something that is good to just experience and really let yourself be in for a while before you watch it around. Yeah, I do understand that for sure. I guess, uh, almost every time I've watched it, it's been with people that haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of get the, I guess the best of both worlds with that. But yeah, I can, I can totally understand that. Um, it is something that, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, well, I, I think it is great to watch with other people as well, just to, to see the reactions on people's faces. And, yeah. you know, as I said, much of it is baffling. And um, uh, I mean, what was your impression when you, when you first saw it? Um, I mean, I thought, you know, obviously there were some funny parts, um, but I actually, it, so it, this is a kind of a funny little story, but it struck me on a, a way more deeply personal level um, than I thought it would. Uh, so just to give a little background as to why, and, and this isn't saying that it's it's a deeply emotional movie, but um, but basically what happened is, so I had just finished a few months ago, and I'm kind of in the process of waiting on festivals and everything, but I had just finished my first feature film, which is a very strange, surreal like a surrealist film, and is definitely not everyone's cup of tea. I, I won't even pretend that it is. Um, but so I, I showed it to my parents, the night before I watched The Room. And, mm. you know, which which on one hand, I'm proud of this, but my parents were not super fond of my own movie. And, and they're both artists. So it was like, you know, very like oh, straight, yeah. straightforward critique. But, you know, which is fine because I've also showed it to other people who totally love my movie. And, you know, it's whatever. I hope some people hate it. But so I could kind of though, watching this, watching The Room the next day, it kind of hit me in a way because I think that's every artist's fear is that the thing that they're making is the worst thing that's ever been made. And so watching this movie, I started thinking about Tommy Wiseau and here's this person who has made the thing that is actually the worst thing that has ever been made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like the, the, I guess the movie itself uh, struck me because of all the, all the you know, the, the craziness and strange mm-hmm. plot or lack thereof. Um, right. in it but but like you said it's, it's a lot about what goes on behind this movie that i think makes it interesting yeah and I, I totally understand that as well what you're saying about um how you almost feel like a kinship with tommy yeah exactly. because, um and and also much like plan nine with ed wood mm-hmm. i mean i feel a kinship with ed wood in cer- certain ways because i mean both you and i are filmmakers and we make films that you know f- as far as i can tell we're kind of in the same boat where we make things that are maybe a little off kilter mm-hmm. or things that are personal, maybe not everyone's going to love, obviously, um, or be into, which is fine, as you said. I mean, that's that's part of part of what we do. Um, so to see something so go so off the rails and um, kind of take on a life of its own, uh, you know, in, but like also wondering what the intention was of the actual 
of the filmmaker and what you know what were they trying to do and mm -hmm. thinking about those kind of things i mean that's always interesting to me um and tommy was is very interesting person um he, he's very mysterious not much is known about him he's from louisiana <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe from new orleans right. maybe yeah i mean people don't even yeah exactly don't know really where no one knows from. yeah i mean sometimes he just says i'm a mannequin yeah um so you know he uh he's he's a character in himself and since he plays the main character in the film that in itself is very interesting to me um you know he's trying to do like an orson wells kind of uh you know he he's obviously had very uh very grandiose uh you know ambitions for this film um and one of my favorite, we talked about behind the scenes, you know, how there's lots of interesting things. And one of the most interesting things I found was that he, in the filming of this of this movie, he actually used 35 millimeter and digital at the same time, literally side by side. So, Which is unbelievably, if, if anyone who's not a filmmaker, that's unbelievably expensive. Like we're, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, to, to do that. It is downright wasteful. I mean, it is just so the audacity, you know, someone who has that kind of money and just can come in and do that. I mean, that's just yeah. in itself uh, legendary, I think. Um, and there is actual footage um, on the DVD. I believe there's a, a short like montage of behind the scenes and you can actually see him working and using this <laughs> this contraption he's built where it has a, you know, the film camera right next, you know, side by side with the uh, digital camera. It's very interesting to me. Um, What's funny though is for the time that you know, because you we got to think if it's released in two thousand three, they're probably shooting in you know two thousand two, you know two thousand one. I'm not exactly sure how long this took to edit. I would imagine a pretty long time, probably, um, yeah. probably because there was a lot of sorting to go. I mean, they had to watch, you know, yeah. digital and film and 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 but it, on some level, you know, it's like, like this is this is the thing with this movie. For every impractical thing, you can almost see how there was a practical justification behind it mm -hmm. until you learn why that. Because at the time, you know, digital, you know, shooting a feature film in digital was a really new idea. You know, like, like it wasn't it wasn't something that was happening that often. Yeah. Um, so you could understand someone having some hesitation. But if you could afford the film at that point, uh, you know, why wouldn't you just, you know... Well Apparently, part of it was an, it was an experiment for him. He really did not understand the difference between film and digital, mm -hmm. and he wanted to see it for himself. So it was, yeah, almost like an experiment. Um, and I guess if you have that kind of money, mm -hmm. um, you can do that. So he he did, <laughs> and uh, they believe they ended up using. I, I saw some accounts where they used only the film. I think I think that's yeah. They just used the film. But I had I had heard before that, that they they did actually use some digital for some, for certain scenes. It does it does um, look like film though when you when you watch it. It looks like film. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, we alluded to you know this some mind boggling things with you said the editing probably took a while and actually I read that there was a lot of. Uh, stray plot lines and things that were left out of the movie which is another reason that it seems so odd and why characters kind of a, you know disappear and then a, reappear and, and get breast cancer and never talk yeah, about get breast it. cancer and, you know all kinds of stuff so and a lot of it happens in the room in that one room and in on a rooftop in front of a green screen uh those are the two favorite uh, locations in this film and they're, they're used over and over again um and I'm sure the the green screen in itself was probably a huge waste of money. Mm -hmm. um, there there's a lot of of shooting they could have done on location, but Tommy uh, opted to use green screen and and shoot on and shoot uh, in studios for some reason. Real Hollywood um, movie. 
Yeah, he's making a Hollywood movie. Yeah, so. real Hollywood movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, I, I find it funny, you know, since he's the director and the writer and the star, I, I find it very humorous, like, how <laughs> just how much Johnny is such a great guy in yeah. the movie, you know, because he plays Johnny and, you know, he really makes himself out to be, like, the most saintly character in the world, yeah. you know. And this, and this, no one can, this might be no a good time. No one can ever say a bad thing about him. Yeah, and this might be a good time just because, I mean, it's one of those things. This is a movie that we could talk through the entire plot and it would spoil nothing. Yes. But just to give a little bit of plot background, because I think we kind of, you know, we're so excited to talk about all the craziness that was involved with the production kind of jumped over. Um, basically it centers around this guy named Johnny, um, who, who's in a relationship with a, a woman. I think they're, they're engaged. Yeah. They're engaged, mm-hmm. uh, named Lisa and he, his he future has, wife, his future wife, Lisa, <laughs> and he has a best friend named Mark. And basically, yeah. Lisa is very unfaithful to him and uh, with his best friend, Mark. And Johnny is basically a saintly man who works at a bank and has a bunch of good ideas and does good things for the bank, but can't get any raises. He, he's pretty much... Um, and one thing one thing that we had discussed before, uh, Mark, is how I wanted to compare this to It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's just kind of like the psychotic, twisted version in a weird way. But it basically tells the story... Of the American guy who's just trying to, you know, make it and, and do it the right way with, with good morals and take care of his friends, but just yeah. can't seem to get things going. You know, the life mm-hmm. just, just gives him a hard time. He's just trying to live the American dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, that's, yeah, so he, well, sorry, you can keep going. With well, that. It, well, no, it's just to jump off of that, you know, which, which is a very, you know, true, honest story. And, and a lot of the filmmakers, you know, uh, Tommy, Tommy Wiseau really loved Ilya Kazan. He, he really loved, yeah. you know, um, Marlon Brando. He really loved James yeah. Dean. James Dean, yeah. You know, these these real, like, American mm-hmm. dramatic actors and directors. Mm-hmm. You know, he probably was into Arthur Miller, I'm guessing, you know, as a well, writer. Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams. Apparently, Tennessee Williams was a huge influence because, uh, I guess, in acting school, he used to do a lot of, you know, Tennessee Williams scenes that he would used to rehearse, I guess. Um, so that kind of finds its way into this film mm-hmm. and actually became part of the marketing at, right. at some point i don't know how but <laughs> yeah you know because i think it said uh, on the poster you know the room with the passion of tennessee williams yeah uh, but we're not which... ta- we're not talking about a guy who lacked culture and lacked history yeah. that's that's the interesting thing to me is it's someone who like knows film and dramatic history in a way that a lot of you know like very good creators don't even seem to connect with yet yeah. for some reason he only seemed to take the the melodramatic over the top elements from all those really wonderful artists and none of the subtlety <laughs> yeah exactly that's really funny he had yeah he had the influences but uh what he did with them is is wholly his own i mean that that one famous line is you know you're tearing me apart lisa <laughs> which is very james dean right there yeah it's like rebel without a cause kind of thing mm-hmm. um so that works its way into the film, but yeah, it has a different, uh, different effect, I would say, than those films. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, as we talked about with Troll Two, and of course Plan Nine, um, we have to talk about it with this film. The acting, I mean, the acting in this film, uh, much as we touched on before, you know, the characters, they, they resp- sometimes, you know, they're responding to something that someone says, and, and they're saying it, it you know in a way that's entirely like they're just saying it from the script and not like they're responding to something else kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, And that happens a lot in this film 
Um, there's a couple lines that it's took note of, like when uh, Lisa goes, you know, I like you very much, lover boy. <laughs> like she's, she actually says it like that. It's very strange. And like lines like that, you know, and of course the very famous, I did not hit her. I, I did, did not. not. Well, all of all of Tommy's lines in this movie. Yeah, every single one of his lines, yeah. It, it could be its own. It could day. be its own, yeah. <laughs> but the way he always says, oh, hi, Mark, or oh, hi, Lee, you know. <laughs> I did he's not. He's saying hi to someone. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even the very first line in the film, and I, it was funny because I watched it again, and I was like, wow, even the first line, like, when he comes in the door and he's just like, oh, hi, he's just like, hi, babe. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just so strange, you know? Um, yeah. And say what you will about him, but Tommy Wiseau, you know, he's truly one of a kind. He's an original. Um, definitely an original much like ed wood that we like talked it. about before yeah uh, um, i think one one thing we have to hit on is how this movie got made um yes because how did it get made so how did it get so no one exactly knows how where the because obviously filmmaking is an incredibly expensive endeavor you know it's, he clearly had money though yeah I mean, so so this, yeah. this was all self-funded by tommy wise which is crazy because no one self-funds you know you'll hear about someone self-funding a movie that they'll do for you know, like $10,000 where they save up for two years from their mm -hmm. job and are able to scrap together a little bit and make a little indie drama set in one room, ironically. But room. <laughs> but, but he, he dropped, the, the estimate is somewhere between like six and seven million dollars when all was said mm -hmm. and done. But no one really knows where his money came from. And mm -hmm. there are guesses, like I, I saw um, a, a video where someone theorized that he owned... He, he began by selling little plastic birds in Paris. And after he made enough money doing that, he moved to the States. And uh, at which point he started some kind of clothing company that would buy wholesale clothing from Asia for nothing and turn around and sell it in San Francisco as like wow. designer goods. But no one really knows. This is all just, this is what's so interesting. It's all speculation. Did, wasn't there also something where he basically was like schmoozing older women like wealthy women and trying to get like i don't know something like I, I i heard that touched on either in the book the disaster artist or the movie it's like uh you, you've seen the movie so i mean i don't know yeah well i don't know it's like you know like kill bill there's the the pai mei character mm -hmm. i think it's pai mei right is the the old the old japanese something, something i believe like, so where ba yeah. basically or you know like any like western folklore character where there's these characters that you see up see show up in story after story and there's all kinds of urban legends about them um but no one really like knows the mythology you know it's, yeah. it's almost like like tommy tommy wiseau is almost like a real life chuck norris like if, if you think he if, if you think it might be true it might be true or yeah. someone has probably claimed that it's true <laughs> you know it's like yeah it's like it's like he comes from nowhere and you know mm -hmm. yeah he's very mysterious he, he no one really knows anything about him and that's that's why it's so interesting i mean even though there's been a book written about him in a movie i i've you know as far as what i can tell you've seen the movie yeah and you still you still not you know you're not sure what where he's come from or no any, and, and, about him. And, and i think that's the reason i mean the movie and this isn't spoiling anything is told from the perspective of greg sestero and and i don't think you could make a movie from tommy wiseau's perspective because i think mm. it would be just like like, 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 it would just be such a crazy, you know what I mean? Even if, yeah, even if he wrote it, it would still be, like, like I, I mean, think, especially if he wrote it, actually. Yeah, especially, yeah, no, like, I think the room might be as close as we could get to an autobiographical <laughs> picture. But, but there's something, the, the thing that struck me, though, is there is an emotional core. Like, I mean, it, it's funny, but, but I don't know, can we spoil the ending? Is, is that okay? 
is it okay to talk I, about? I think I think it's safe. To, yeah, I, I, think I think it's safe. Okay. So basically, the the movie concludes with this really really wild, dramatic, into, quite a dramatic, turn. quite a dramatic yeah. turn, um, where our main character, uh, I must call him Tommy. Our main character Johnny commits a really intense suicide um, using a gun, which I actually read an interesting theory that the gun came from. Um, what's his name? Who's the who's the the tough guy character? Um. Chris R. Oh, Chris, Chris R. R. Okay. So, so this was, this was an interesting connection I read actually because there's a whole scene where there's this, so there's a character uh, named. This is it's very hard to explain. It's going to sound convoluted, and I would I say wanted, watch the movie yeah. and it'll make more sense, but it won't. Um, <laughs> um, but basically, there's a character named Denny who we, we're not exactly sure how old he is or what his relationship is. <laughs> yeah, to, is he a child? <laughs> yeah, what is he? Exactly? And, and is kind of sexually attracted to other characters, but is maybe too young. But he also has a drug problem and seems uh-huh. to have gotten in over his head with some this for, thug. For one scene only. For one he scene. only has a drug problem for one scene. And seems yeah. to have gotten in over his head with this character named Chris R, who has a gun. And Tommy and the other, or Johnny and the other characters disarm Chris R, and then I think get him arrested, right? Or it's never really followed <laughs> well, up upon. I think he says like we're taking him to the police or something. Yeah, like but but interestingly enough, I read a fan theory that that was actually a really important scene, and and mm. there were these this whole this whole subplot of Chris R and Denny. That the whole point was actually to get Tommy to get Johnny. I keep saying Tommy to get Johnny the gun, which is really interesting. It's almost like a little Chekhov's gun thing, you know? Like mm. you see it and it has yeah. to go off, which is which is I mean, once once again we said like he probably knew Chekhov, you know? Like he yeah. probably he probably had an awareness of it's just the way he used it was mm. very bizarre. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and, and like as as we mentioned, like there's a lot of stray things from the script that probably got that fell to the wayside either in the editing or yeah. before that. But that drug rooftop scene is is. I wanted to talk about that because that is like probably the most surreal scene in the movie. It comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, drugs are not even alluded to before or after that. I don't think. No. And the character of Chris R, who you mentioned, the the kind of thug character, the drug dealer. You know, he's not even in it other than that scene, and so it just comes comes out of nowhere. You and know, he gives a, like this... he gives a decent performance too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> of everyone in the movie, he's, he's pretty it's intense. Pretty intense. Yeah. Things escalate quickly yeah. <laughs> in that scene. Uh, and it's also one of the funniest scenes, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the Doug, the gun does show up there, uh, which I actually didn't really think about before. No, but I, think, I think it's one of those things with this movie where if you really pick it apart, there yeah. probably makes more sense mm-hmm. on some level or at least kind of pieces level, together. Yeah. <laughs> but, playing catch see like playing catch is them like bonding with each other yeah, you know? they play a lot of football <laughs> but not really football, football. Like... they just throw a football around in a very bizarre way yeah lots of throwing of footballs in this movie um dressed in tuxedos sometimes yeah uh and also um yeah there's just so much <laughs> so much to unpack from this film so much um but um yeah it's the ending i did want to talk about the ending a little bit because as you, as you said you know it's pretty dramatic i mean it takes uh it gets pretty dark there at the end and I, and I, that's what makes me think that this movie was originally supposed to be a drama you know yeah there's nothing you know nothing about that is funny but no it is, of course, and it doesn't i mean it, it like it plays in a kind of funny way but at the same time like you you can't help but feel for this poor this poor guy at the end of all of this oh, yeah he's a great guy he's a Johnny's great guy a great he's guy. the best guy you know everyone loves him dogs <laughs> love him you know <laughs> oh hi dog oh hi dog he's the favorite customer of every every shop he goes into um <laughs> But he just—it just has this this tragic, tragic ending. It's—it's it's just—I don't know. It's—it's it's a wild ride. It really is. It is a wild ride. Yeah, 
And as uh, we talked about with Troll 2, uh, this movie as well, I've, I've watched it with other people a lot. Um, you know, had get-togethers where I'm like, we're watching The Room. You know, it's just what's happening. It's, it's what's happening. And, and when it starts, it's funny because every time, you know, for the first 10 or so minutes, people really are not sure what to make of, the, of it because, you know, it feels – actually, in the beginning, it feels like a straight-up, like, softcore porn almost. Yeah. Oh, Especially, yeah. you know, they have the smooth R&B music come in and, like, there's a weird – couple weird sex scenes. Very graphic sex. Very, like, very graphic, very graphic, but not graphic. But not graphic, yeah. Time. Like, yeah. you know what it is? They're just – they go on. For a very, on, very, yes. very, 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 very long time. <laughs> like uncomfortably long. Yeah. Um, and, but the music is what makes it hilarious, in my opinion. And also like the grunting and groaning. There's like odd moaning sounds that they dubbed in later. And I mean, and Denny. Of Tommy, yeah, Dami, Denny watching them creepily. And yeah, uh, it's all kinds of weird stuff going on but yeah showing it to other people is always really fun um great movie to watch at a party or have on in the background or something like that um so i definitely i see what you're talking about you know saying you know, you should probably watch it by yourself um but then quickly you should show it to other turn people. around yeah then go watch, <laughs> go watch it with yeah i, I would i would agree because everyone should see this movie whether or not you're into film or not i think everyone gets a kick out of it in some way yeah. Once it gets going and people start to realize, okay, there's something really off about this movie. But you, it, it's interesting. I mean, I forget. There, there's some. I don't know if it was a film critic or a YouTube video I watched. I wish I wrote his name down. But someone referred to it as if an alien came to Earth and someone described to him what a movie was, <laughs> but never actually showed this alien a movie, and then told the alien to go make a movie. This is maybe where we would end up. You know, like like. It's so it's just so outlandish in ways that, you know. <laughs> well, actually, on that note, I have kind of a personal story related to this movie, believe it or not. <laughs> and this was after I had seen it and after, you know, I loved it. And, and uh, you know, because I've seen it multiple times now. It's, it's one of those movies you can watch over and over. It's a true cult film for sure. Absolutely. Um, but, um, you know, I was making I was actually shooting a short film that I wrote with a friend of mine. We were in Manhattan uh, shooting it. It was called Puppy Whistle. Uh, just a kind of bizarre short that I made. And uh, we, one of the scenes takes place at a house party. <clears throat> or, sorry, one of the scenes takes place during a house party. So we were in my friend's apartment and, you know, we invited a bunch of people over, a bunch of his friends, stuff like that came over who lived in New York. And, you know, you're in New York, obviously, as you know, you know, people just show up. People are, mm. you know, people that you, that might be famous, whatever, like people just kind of are there. And at this one scene that we were shooting, I got to talking to one of the, the extras and he was Scott Holmes who plays Mike in the movie. Really? In the room. In the so, room. Yes. So he just randomly showed up. I think he was in an improv class with somebody who was in, in the scene as well. Yeah. So I got to talking to him, you know, and I, I talked to him for a while and he just, you know, he seemed very, he was very nice. He seemed extremely, you know, excited and happy to talk about the room and about Tommy. Um, he had lots of stories and I just like would just talk to him for like an hour. I think it just took an hour out of filming just to talk to him. Yeah. You know, like and like in between takes That's and stuff, we were talking because because we, we were both acting in it as well. And he told and one of the stories he told me was um, at the premiere of the film because I, I asked him. I said, Scott, is you know was this this is like the big question about the room? Did Tommy know? Did Tommy know what he was doing? You know, was this a comedy? Was this a drama? You know, so that's what I asked him. And he said, and he told me a story about the premiere when they were all sitting behind Tommy. So 
And after, you know, or during the movie, rather, uh, the audience was laughing, you know, as you would do when you watch this movie. <laughs> and he was very confused. So he turned around to everyone and he said, why are they laughing? Right in and, the wow. and that, yeah, so that's, and then, you know, Scott said something like, it's your comic timing, Tommy. Look, you know, you're great, you know. Look at look up on the screen. I mean, this is what, you know, it's great. So um, that's what he told me. And that kind of puts it all in perspective for me, getting that kind of insider knowledge about it. So I think for sure, you know, the terribleness of the film, I, I you know, whether or not it's intentional, I'd say it probably was not. <laughs> but it was embraced. He embraced the fact that it was a comedy Eventually, after the fact. yeah. And now he, yeah, like we said, he tours with it now. He shows the film all the time. He still promotes Definitely. it. He got, I yeah, thought, he still promotes it, it. So the, we're recording this now in late January and, and a couple weeks ago, the room, um, the, the James Franco won a Golden Globe for best actor in a comedy or musical and, portraying and, and for, for portraying Tommy Wiseau and, um, Tommy Wiseau was on at, on the red carpet at the Golden Globes, Globes and I saw a video and, and uh, one of the E! interviewers came up to him and started asking him questions and he started promoting the room. He, he didn't promote the disaster artist. He was pitching the room. It was like, like still to this day. It's like... Yeah. I think he'll be promoting this movie for the rest forever, of his life, yeah. to be honest. Because I think he, he actually started to make something else after this, but I don't know if it ever got completed. I think it was like a sitcom or something like that. Well, he made... I, apparently he made a documentary also um, called... like It's like Homeless in America, um, which apparently wasn't... I mean, I was that before or after this? I think it was after, and I don't think it was bad from what I understand. I think it was just kind of, you know, like a run-of-the-mill, like nothing special, but it was just like a solid documentary about homelessness because I think if it was bad, we would all know about it now, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. which is interesting. Another interesting thing, though, it's like, like it seems like this one project just kind of ran off the rails in, in some way or... And he, he took it and ran with it, it seems like. Yeah. But it's interesting because even if you hear him talk about it, you know, in real life, like there's a feature again on the DVD. There's like a, um, you know, because I'm like, I have to hear what he what he this guy says about the movie, you know, and you watch like an interview with him where he's being asked questions and every response is just mind boggling. Mm -hmm. It's just baff baffling. Uh, all his responses. He's so cryptic and, and you know. It's, so he's very interesting to watch, but, you know, in, in the end, like we said, he's just always going to be a mystery. We don't know where he came from. We don't know anything about him. And maybe that's for the best. I mean, maybe that's what makes it so interesting, really, yeah. in the end. Maybe he doesn't even he know. <laughs> he doesn't even know. Exactly, yeah. He's he's completely a character. Um, and, and, again, you know, whether or not this film was intentionally a comedy or not, you know, as I kind of – my opinion is that, honestly, like, you know, I don't think there's any way that anyone could make – a film this deliberately bad you know could deliberately make a creation such as the room no i, I think I mean? if you went to the greatest filmmaker on the planet and said make something so crazy that is so anti-film like no anti no one could yeah i mean that's what it is this is this is an anti-film you know no one could be like no yeah, one could exactly. do no one could do this trying to do this there's there's not no. a chance and, and no one could be that in tune with, like, the zeitgeist, you know what I mean? No one could anticipate people's reactions to something like this. It's just, um, it's, like, it's a case of the bad movie stars, like, aligning, you know what I mean? So many bad decisions had to be made. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know what it almost feels like, though, to me, in a, in a weird way? It feels like if David Lynch had no talent. You know what I mean? Like, like if you took, like, a David Lynch movie with all of his weird idiosyncrasies 
that works so well because David Lynch is a genius and can carefully manipulate it. So you're kind of watching and not sure what's going on, but then all of a sudden you get hit with something emotionally or aesthetically that you just, you know, you're, you're, you're gripped with. It was like if someone who didn't have that, you know, extremely refined sense of mise-en-scene and character Mm -hmm. tried to make a David Lynch movie. It is like, like an un, un, unintentional David Lynch. An unintentional, yeah. Because it's like, you know, like the, like the characters will talk. It, they don't talk like human beings. They, they talk like, you know, like like if... A, like Tommy's brain, yeah. Yeah, like if like if a non-human, like so we said earlier, <laughs> like, if a, like if a non-human tried to emulate a human being without ever having experienced what it is to be a human being. It's like... Yeah, it, which, <laughs> which some would say is what is what Tommy is, kind of. Like. Yeah, a pirate, an alien, a... <laughs> but he'd probably say he's james dean reincarnate so. exactly exactly and that's what i love about him like the passion he has you know mm-hmm. and uh personally like you mentioned before you know we were saying like on a personal level as filmmakers like we kind of understand we kind of get yeah. where he's coming from you know or any artist and i think any artist any, any artist yeah exactly even if it's a disaster artist i guess yeah. but um i you know like uh this film the room exemplifies for me like just how much can go wrong when you try to make a film mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like all the different factors that come into play and that need to meld together to make something work. I mean, this, you know, so many things can go wrong. And this is a great example of that. When they all go um, wrong. So when they, when every single thing goes wrong. Yes. Um, so the fact that, you know, he has now taken it and is running with it and pr- still promoting it to this. Making day, a so lot of money. Like, like he, he's, ma- he's money. made the money back it, for as much as he spent on it. He, he is now in the, in the black, you know? Oh, he, He's a rock star for sure. Yeah. 15 years later. Exactly. And I still have yet to go to one of these screenings. So when you go, please let me know. Yeah, there, there's one tonight. If you want to make, like, Is yeah, it really? Yeah, there's one. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, sure. literally every weekend, they're, yeah. they're the room screens. More than, you know, you'll, you'll go. I've, I've been to, to midnight screenings of Taxi Driver. I've been mm-hmm. to midnight screenings of, you know, The Shining, Pulp Fiction. Every, you know, all the, like, the great midnight movies that people love. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I haven't been to a midnight screening of the room yet, but like they sell out. Like I've been in the the movie theater at the same time that a screening of the room was going on, mm-hmm. and here I am watching like Mulholland Drive with like four other people, <laughs> and the room has seventy five people in the theater. It's it's unbelievable. The yeah, you could probably hear them hooting, hooting and hollering, yeah. and throwing spoons at the screen. No, yeah. it's unbelievable the commitment that people people have to this movie yeah. this many years later. Truly a cult film. Truly a cult film. Truly. Uh, and I would love to go to a screening sometime. But um, yeah, uh, do you have any, you know, any? what's your, I guess, uh, final take on The Room? And I guess, why do you think it has such a lasting uh, impression as a cult film? Uh, final take on The Room. I mean, I guess the thing that comes up for me that, that's been bouncing around my ma- around my mind since I saw The Room is, is it a bad film? Uh, is it a bad film or not? And, and the reason I bring that up is because it raises the question it's almost like um you know like the artist duchamp who put a toilet in a gallery and at first everyone said oh you know this guy's an asshole he's just putting you know he's he's putting a toilet in the middle of a gallery and he's making fun of us all but then we say oh you know there's something to that because he's raising the question of you know what what is art how do we define it and i think it's hard to define a film that people 15 years later religiously love experiencing as a bad film and and they you know i like i i know the room better like i like i i know i I spent more time theorizing about the room than i've spent on movies that are like critically 
acclaimed important movies in the history of cinema so i i actually have a hard time saying this is so bad it's good i i think that the, the thing that people the reason we say it's bad is because it's not what it was intended to be but but i have a hard time calling it bad because it, it's just so vibrant and original in in a way that very few movies are there is something to it yeah and entertaining i would say all three of these films we discussed are very hi, highly entertaining oh I mean, yeah yeah so um please by all means get your friends together you know maybe have some alcohol involved and uh hang out in a room these <laughs> hang out hang out in a room <laughs> hang out in a room <laughs> and watch the room <laughs> but uh yeah i think that's uh that's probably all we can say about the room right now but um go see it yeah uh, i go see it and uh, i guess check out well i don't know should pe- should people check out the disaster artist uh yeah i like the disaster I, I i was pretty fond of the disaster artist um i mean like 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 i said it, it's good because you're kind of coming at it through that more neutral perspective um i would you know i would be curious to see a movie that is kind of more tries to understand tommy but i, I don't know if we can <laughs> can you ever truly understand yeah, if you ever truly can but but i do think that there are some really interesting things in the disaster artist um that anyone who loves films would enjoy but especially if you are a filmmaker definitely go see definitely see okay. the disaster artist absolutely worth your yeah. time i'm probably gonna check it out at some point i you know mm. i probably have to because <laughs> i've seen the room so many times yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so um but yeah the room itself i i definitely recommend uh watching that you know i've watched it multiple times and it's always a good time so mm-hmm. um all right so that's gonna do it uh today for us this has been the conclusion of our series so bad it's good and thank you once again for listening to Cult Movie Cult. Um, you can find us on various forms of social media. And join us next time when we will be diving into our next film series, uh, which is still in the works, but we're going to figure something out. <laughs> and uh, this has been Cult Movie Cult. And until next time, so long from the other side. <laughs>